Hey, I'm Tim. And I'm Drew. And this is the Hearts and Hands Podcast. In episode 35, we talk about using music to enhance rather than distract, and we talk to John Woody about how he uses music in his videos. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands podcast. I'm your host, Tim Babbler, joined by my co-host, Drew Sonnenberg. Drew, how's it going for you? Pretty good. Good to have you back this week, Tim. Uh, Yeah, it's good to be back. I was able, while you were gone, to have a a nice conversation with John Witte that we'll get to in just a few minutes about how he uses music to enhance the things he's doing with video. And that got me thinking about how we use music in worship. And the obvious, you know, thing that most people do is we have congregational singing. But like when you get down to thinking about why you do that, why do you even have music instead of just like reciting the lyrics to a hymn? It's because music can do things that other things are incapable of. It it can do more or enhance what you're doing in a way that other things just can't. So it got me thinking about other places in in worship where we use or can use music other than congregational singing. Do you have any thoughts on that, Tim? Sure. Well, actually, I just happened to be holding a Lutheran hymnal in my hand, like the older uh, hymnal we used to use for our church body. And it got me thinking that there was a period of time when they were singing almost everything in, I can't think of the word right now, starts with the liturgy. Liturgy. Thank you. Yep. They were singing almost everything in the liturgy. And uh, I don't know, like, I wonder if that was beneficial. I think it was something that got people to know it because when you're using music, obviously, it's going to retain better in your memory. Uh, at least that's my understanding of it. There's science to back that up. Yeah. See, yeah, good. See, I'm talking science. <laughs> but then I think of of more like what my, what my church does. We don't have a lot of back and forth speaking parts with the exception of maybe uh, confession and absolution. And we say the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed together and maybe responses before communion. But a lot of times there's the person that's leading worship might be doing a confession and absolution or the pastor is, and we do it between our second and third songs. So I find value personally in having just some background accompaniment music there, just keep the flow of the worship environment going, and then leading right into that third song once it's finished. And I think that same thing can be said for prayers as well. We have usually a music track that's playing just some light piano behind the pastor's prayer at the end of his sermon as well. Sure. And I think you kind of alluded to this, but I think if you're using it to kind of create a smoother flow or transition, I think that's one way that you can use it very effectively. I, we do this especially, or we try to do this more in our Illumin Evenings services because they have a lot more songs in them. So oftentimes in between two songs, there's just a very short thing like a prayer, or maybe we'll read a psalm responsively, but then we're right on to the next song, which if we cut the music out there, then it can kind of almost feel jarring that like, okay, we stopped the music and now we're doing this thing and now we're starting the music up again. And it's just very kind of stop and go. Whereas if you can find a way to transition between the two songs musically, while that middle thing is going on, it just creates more of a flow to the service, makes it feel like a more cohesive thing overall. Yeah, and actually, this I was just at a worship conference this last week, and one of the sessions, one of the main sessions, they had their praise band go through what kind of like a rehearsal was like and to see how 
the back and forth between the person who's doing sound and the person who is leading from the front, how they communicate with each other and like they kind of say what we wish each person knew. And one thing they actually talked about was having music playing behind someone talking. And they kind of made a joke about it throughout the whole conference. They had uh, during the announcements, they had someone come up to play background music just to, you know, keep the mood light and things like that. Because <laughs> usually announcements are not people's most favorite thing. Sure. Um, yeah. But he gave a few principles about playing music behind it. You should never play with your full band because it's just going to, it's going to be too much. It'll be an overload. And he also said, make sure that you're not playing a too familiar melody. Otherwise someone is going to be thinking about the melody instead of about the, the words that the person is saying. And usually when someone's speaking, you want to listen to their words. So making sure that it's, you're keeping it lower volume, you're keeping it not a familiar melody and maybe one or two instruments maximum. And that way, if you're doing it especially to transition between songs, I actually think back to when I was in school at Martin Luther College, and we did this service called Compline, which is very similar to a, an Illumined Evenings type idea. Uh, it's an evening service. I think it was at 10 o'clock at night. Yep. And most of that service is a back and forth singing. And I think of one specific instance where actually one of our Wells creatives, Stephen Springborn, was uh, doing the piano for that service. And he connected every song together. Otherwise, it's like you said, it was, you have like a response and then it stops for like four seconds. And then there's another thing you start singing. He found a way just to melt it all together by whether it's a change in tempo or even a change in key, making those transitions so that the whole thing felt like one cohesive unit. Yeah. And I do, like you kind of alluded to, part of the reason I think this isn't done more frequently, maybe in our circles, is that it does involve a, a certain degree of difficulty for the musician who if you're having to switch keys or if you're having to switch maybe even tempos or time signatures and things like that it's not something that just anybody can sit down and do without thinking they have to be well thought out and kind of planned ahead of time but yeah i, I like those things you're saying about about the melody so as not to distract the people i think that's that's a common like counter argument to doing this is like, oh, it's I, I was trying to pay attention to the pastor praying, but the music was just so distracting. Sure. And, and I think like you, you mentioned a couple reasons why that might be, whether it's because the melody is so familiar or because it's too loud. But I think that there's also ways I've seen this done, not necessarily in Wells churches or in not Wells churches, but just that if it's done poorly is very distracting, such as. If you're playing something that's just too like too upbeat during a very like pensive thing like a prayer, that that can be distracting. Or just choosing music that, let's be honest, is kind of cheesy or or just doesn't fit the vibe you're trying to go for at that point in the service. Right. Um, if if you're doing something underneath confession, uh, odds are it's not going to be upbeat and in a major key. Uh, right. You know. But but I'm I don't sure. know. What I thought of this while you're talking. In my head, um, I was thinking something that would not work behind prayer, and I was, for some reason, thinking of the song, You Can Call Me Al. <laughs> da, 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 yeah. da, da. I'm like, nope, that would not work. Yeah. I guess that's... A... <laughs> Hopefully no one would do that, but I know what you're saying. Like, You don't want it to be... Yeah, you want the, the mood of your, what you're playing to reflect what's happening. Yeah, and I think going back to one of the reasons why I like doing this in Louvain Evenings is if you're doing... It, to transition between two songs and the thing you're doing in between those two songs is a, a prayer or a, a responsive reading of a psalm or something like that. Odds are you put those songs in that order with that psalm in the middle because there is some thematic connection. 
between those things. And so it should be very natural for the music as far as what type of music it is, whether it's upbeat or whether it's a minor key or whatever, it, it should fit pretty well if you're the flow of your service is designed well. So it can be done, but it just it takes a lot more kind of prep work than just sitting and playing four separate songs. Yeah, music and emotion. I'm actually doing a, a whole unit about what we call program music or show music, which is a lot of times just that background music that you hear in a musical or something like that. Um, I'm doing a whole unit on that in my next uh, this next school year. So I'd actually be really interested to see what uh, John Woody has to say about that. Let's get to that interview now. Today, we're excited to welcome back to the podcast, John Woody. Welcome, John. Thanks. Thanks much. For those who may not have heard your first episode, could you just give us a quick who you are, what you do? Sure. Yeah. Um, so like you said, my name is John Woody. Currently, I'm the band director at Luther High School in Onalaska, Wisconsin. Before that, I was essentially a full-time videographer for Martin Luther College making promotional videos for them, as well as churches across the country to promote the churches and get the word of the gospel out there. So I still do a little bit of video work now, I'm doing more for Luther, which is just a blast. I love doing that and still taking pictures and such and being a creative. Awesome. And in our first conversation with you, we touched a little bit on the use of music in your videos, but we didn't really have much time to delve into it. So I thought today we could do that a little more and just talk about kind of how music can be used either to enhance or to distract from from the thing you're doing. So as you're picking out music for your videos, could you walk through a little bit of what your process is? Sure. Quite honestly, it's a lot of trial and error. And picking music can take sometimes a day just because I, I get picky. I want the music to serve the video and make it worthwhile and affect the listener. So to pick music, quite often, I'll go to a website, uh, artlist.io. They have a subscription service for royalty-free music, which is great because then you don't have lawsuits or anything on your hands. Sure, sure. And they have great search tools also. So you can search for, um, I want a chill vibe that's uplifting, but has a tempo that's kind of fast. Um, and you can sort through all sorts of songs like that, which is incredibly useful instead of just kind of going through SoundCloud or iTunes or Spotify or something and just kind of guessing by titles. So I'll do that on the website, sort through music like that, and then just listen to a lot, a lot of songs. What I'll try to do is match the kind of story arc of the song to the story arc of the video, which sometimes you can tell by the waveform of a song. So websites like Artlist.io or uh, Musicbed, that's another good place to get music. Uh, they'll show you the waveform of the song. So if it starts off kind of small at the beginning and grows and grows and grows, and you can see a visual climax in that song, uh, that's usually where the climax of the video is going to be. Kind of like what you learned back in English class. Uh, you have a beginning, and then it all builds to a climax, and then there's a resolution at the end. And quite often, a lot of my videos follow that plot. So um, I'll look for that and then just start doing a lot of listening. If it's a fast-paced video with lots of cuts, I'll look for a fast-paced song where I can hear, okay, every couple measures I can cut. Because I like to cut to music just because it's ingrained in me so much. That's the band director side of me, too. <laughs> so, like, in my head, I'm like, okay, every two measures I'm going to go through this. And I think that can make something more powerful. Because then it also gives the opportunity not to not cut to the music, and that could mean something in the final edit also. Sure. So 
it sounds like, do you do any work editing before you pick the music or do you need the music there to help you figure out where you're going to do the cuts and things like that? It's such a great question. It kind of changes project to project. I like to have music before I start editing because then I can make those edits to the music right away. But sometimes it doesn't work like that. Uh, sometimes I just need to cut the video so the video works for the visual sake and maybe like the um, interview I have in the video or a voiceover or something. And then I'll try to find music that fits that video, which is sometimes way more difficult. So being able to take the video and put it on top of music, if you have music first, is usually easier for me personally. The problem with that is sometimes I'll spend a day or two just finding the right song. So then it feels like you're not really getting anywhere on the video sure. because it's been all this time going through making sure I have the perfect song or something like that. If if I plan a video far enough in advance and I'm working with some people who know what they're doing and know what they want, we can actually go through songs ahead of time and say, we want this one. And that just helps the whole process before like we even shoot the video or something like that. Um, because then we can plan shots exactly to parts of music sometimes, which works out really well. Yeah. So you, you kind of mentioned a little bit, you know, ways that this music will enhance what you're doing, whether it's by cutting kind of in tempo with the music or just following the general arc of, of rising and falling. But uh, are there things that kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, like you avoid at all costs just because they're distracting or cheesy or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. I try to avoid using songs people know at this point because then they're just going to be drawn only to the song and you might miss part of the video. To my ears, since I'm a musician also, I'll listen for like tone colors. Like, are the instrumentalists, do they sound good essentially? Sure. Or is this just a song that, I don't know, doesn't sound great? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> like, there's a, there's a pretty clear cut line right there usually. I try to look for good artists also. Uh, so artists that like I know well-renowned filmmakers have used. Yeah, the, the cheesy side of music is basically a way to avoid the cheesy side of music is don't go to a website that has a ton of ads all over it and everything's free and stuff like that. Like paying, is, you'll get what you pay for essentially. So, yeah, the other way to avoid cheesy stuff is to not misplace the the feel of the music in the video. So if you have this happy-go-lucky, awesome video, and maybe it's like third graders running around at a soccer camp and you're trying to do this promotion for it, don't go for a bunch of strings that are holding out these beautiful chords or anything like that. It's <laughs> just not a match. <laughs> yeah. And contrary to that, if you have this like moving uh, story that someone from your congregation is telling um, and they're like crying on screen. You don't want this upbeat, like happy song behind them. Uh, you want something that matches that. Do you find that there's any, like as, as a videographer, whether it's as you're doing stuff or you're watching other people's videos, any like cheap tricks that just really grind your gears of like trying to use music. Uh, I don't know if this is the right phrase, but like in a manipulative sort of way that just was like, come on, you could have you could have done it better than that. Well, like I said, I like cutting to the beat sometimes, and then other times it's like, well, that was really predictable. <laughs> sure. um, yeah, so if you use the same trick, like cutting to the beat every time, 
after a while, the audience is like, and cut, and cut, and and it kind of makes sense. In the like adventure filmmaking world right now, it's a big thing is like put this really cool, like chill, kind of mysterious intro in the beginning with these beautiful wide landscape shots and then cut to fast paced things, which is just kind of a formula. And it's fine to follow a formula like for promotional videos, too. And I've definitely done that because you can get stuff out the door quicker. Sure. But yeah, after a while, it's kind of like, okay, cool. You did the same thing again. Like some of the YouTubers I follow and I've been following since like I first got into video. At first I was like, wow, every one of the videos is captivating and it's great. And now like eight years later, I notice, oh, they're just doing the same thing every time. Sure. Which is fine. Like you find out how you work and how you like to make things and such. Yeah. That's maybe not necessarily just music. That's uh, just video making as a whole also. But for example, like one of my favorite YouTubers will often use songs that have an upbeat intro, but it's like one instrument and that goes on for like 20 seconds and that's the intro of the video. And then like after that 20 seconds, all of a sudden everything else is back in and it's like the chorus of the song. And that's when all the action starts. And then there's usually a chill part in the middle, more action, and then some big climax at the end and it goes away, which is great. It works. But sometimes it's it's fun to branch away from that type of thing too and just kind of go out and try new things. And that helps you grow as a filmmaker and musician too. You you kind of talked a lot about how you've, you've grown throughout this process and everything. If you were to give advice to someone just getting started with the process, you mentioned already, you know, you get what you pay for. So be willing yeah. to pay for the things you need. Are there any other either best practices or resources that you would point people to, especially as it pertains to, to music with video? Sure, sure. Definitely artlist.io. That is just such a great website and Musicbed also two great places to find great royalty-free music. If there's a little bit of a subscription fee or it's like $40 for one song, that's okay. And when you pay that much money for a song, you're buying the rights to the song also. It's not like any sure. other music where you pay a buck for a song. That's just the right to listen to it. You're paying for the right to use it in your video. So that's definitely worth it. And it just protects the filmmaker too. And especially like churches and schools. Actually, if you're making videos for churches and schools, those are usually nonprofits and you can get cheaper prices because you're working for a nonprofit. And that just usually there's an option for that in the checkout process, which nice. is great. Yeah. Yeah. In Adobe Audition, which is part of the Adobe Creative Suite, which is all the apps I use to edit. In Audition, you can actually put in a, a song, analyze the song. And then tell Audition, okay, this song is three minutes, but I need to make it five and a half minutes. And then you just tell it to do that, and it works out the chunks of the song and seamlessly extends the song, which is just the greatest filmmaker tool in the world. That is awesome, yeah. Yeah, it was so cool. Like The day I found that out, like complete process was changed because I no longer had to look at the length of a song. It's just like, okay, I'll make it longer. And you can even set it to like look for four measure phrases or 12 measure phrases, and that'll adjust how it lengthens the song then also. Cool. Yeah, which is, that's maybe one of the greatest tools. So find a tutorial on extending song length in Adobe Audition, and it's just such a good tool to use. Why is, why is it so important to use music in your videos, and what does it do that nothing else can do? Sure. I firmly believe that music, like, 
in my band sense brings people together, but in the video sense, it kind of brings your mind into one place. It can put you in a position that you didn't know you could get to and bring about emotions that subconsciously you didn't realize were happening. <laughs> uh, so if you choose the right song sometimes, the listener won't even realize they're not like listening to the song. They're paying attention to the video, but because the song is there, uh, it's creating a feel for the video and emotions in the person watching, which is just a powerful tool. And that's a huge reason why I use music in my videos, because I think it enhances it because of that. And you can just create so many different emotions through the use of it, which I just thoroughly enjoy. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you again for taking the time to come on today. It's always a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you much, Drew. I appreciate it. Are you currently taking new clients for your videography work? Yes and no. It kind of depends how big of a job it is. During the school year, I have less time to do that because I'm doing other music things with my band. But during the summer, I'll do some things, so work with churches and schools a little bit and do that here and there. And yeah, Where can we point our listeners if they're looking for work next summer? Sure. Um, my website is jwitty.co, J-W-I-T-T-E dot C-O. Contact info is on there. Or just go to my Instagram, honestly, at jwitty. So yeah, both good places to contact me. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on. We always appreciate having you. Of course. Thanks much. That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have people you want to hear from or questions you want answers to, feel free to reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com or on any social media platform at Wells Creatives. And we'd love for you to check out our Patreon page. We appreciate the support we've had so far on there. You can check that out at patreon.com slash heartsandhandspodcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.